Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. You want the upper hand in your fantasy football leagues? Then you've come to the right place. To the right place. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. We are back. Today we're talking AFC South, who we're targeting, who we're avoiding for fantasy. I'm Faraz Sadiqi. I'm here with Zach Rizzuto. We're going to go over the Texans, the Colts, the Jaguars, the Titans. Some uh, pretty interesting players here, some good values take advantage of i think in this division um this is the last division that we're covering our, our last seven episodes have been all about the other division so we basically covered every single fantasy relevant player over these eight episodes so make sure to tune into all of those if you haven't listened to them already uh there's not a whole lot of news to cover besides some no. more like antonio gibson hype um you know from their head coach which is warranted and we don't need to talk about that every episode we've already been talking about it and we agree that Antonio Gibson will be a value this year and you should be targeting him. Um, But we will be going over some OTA updates, uh, you know, who's been hyped throughout OTAs next week. Uh, Mandatory minicamp for a lot of teams are happening this week. So we'll go over, you know, anything coming out of there from all 32 NFL teams next week on this podcast. So make sure to tune in for that. That's going to be pretty juicy. Um, Before we get started, if you could subscribe or follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, uh, or whatever platform you use. It only takes a second, and it really helps us more than you know. That would be greatly appreciated. Um, what did I say? What did I close out the podcast with yesterday? Um, highly appreciated. Highly appreciated. I, said, right? I believe highly appreciated. The <laughs> yeah, highly appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it only takes a second, guys. We would love for you guys to do that if you can. Uh, rookie quarterback, CJ Stroud. He's likely to be starting for them this you know, in week one, right? Unfortunately, I don't think Stroud is currently equipped with the weapons he need to have a, you know, very successful year one. I think he he's going to be a good quarterback, but I, I wouldn't be considering him, you know, as a fantasy target, even in two quarterback leagues. Like maybe he'll have a floor in as a, as a QB two. Um, but, you know, I'm not sure that he'll, he'll be, he'll be a target in terms of, you know, him providing any sort of weekly upside. Um, this backfield consists of Damian Pierce, who did very well as a rookie last year. He was a solid RB2. They added Devin Singletary, who I think will be used. I, I think this is going to be a one-two punch. Um, you know, Singletary could see some opportunities on third downs. Uh, you know, I think he'll contribute on early downs as well. Uh, 
But Pierce is currently being taken as the RB21 off the board. I think that's a solid price. I have him ranked as my RB22 going into next season. Um, you know, I'm not going out of my way to draft him, but I think, you know, 250 touches or so is in the cards for Damian Pierce still. Um, he'll likely be the goal line guy, but he's also not on a great offense. Right. And that's my primary concern with Damian Pierce. I mean, I originally had Noah Brown as my avoid, but you yelled at me because he's not really fantasy relevant at all. And I actually, I actually took some flack last yesterday. Was it on our NFC South post? Because I said, don't target the Buccaneers quarterbacks. I just yeah, thought no that was shit. funny. Yeah. No so, shit, Zach. No shit. I'm going don't to target right Baker Mayfield, that, guys. I'm going to be right on that, though. But maybe I, 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 I would love I would love now now I'm rooting for Baker Mayfield to be this year's Geno Smith that's what yeah, I'm rooting for now just because yeah, yeah, you course. said to avoid their quarterbacks that's <laughs> I could see it happening but anyway how does that tie in here I've switched my pick from Noah Brown I, I'm avoiding Damian Pierce at his price you know RB21 I get it I don't think that's that bad but I think that's way closer to his ceiling than it is his floor I mean you look at he was a mainstay on Angry Runs last season. You know, Good Morning Football, they do that segment. He had a bunch of good runs. You know, he's awesome shedding tacklers left and right. But his playmaking ability really only comes exclusively in the run game. You know, 30 receptions that he had last season. He posted an abysmal 5.5 yards per reception. That was 49th out of 57 qualifying running backs. Equally discouraging 6.67 yards after the catch per reception. That was 41st. You know, he's not going to be receiving the ball very much at all. I think that C.J. Stroud, he's a rookie. They tend to extend the play. They don't like to go to the outlet guy immediately. It's something they learn over time. He's probably not going to have that many receptions, especially with Devin Singletary there. But, you know, you look at him, he's an early down back. We've seen running backs play well in that role. What's the difference with Pierce? I just mentioned Devin Singletary. Now he's there. He's equally as bad as a pass catcher running back as Pierce, but he's still better by some metrics. Uh, his 6.82 yards after the catch per reception and 7.7. Uh, 7.37 yards after uh, per reception, ranked 38th and 25th among those same 57 running backs I mentioned earlier. Um, those numbers compared to the rest of the league are bad, but in the Texas backfield, like I said, that's better than Pierce. So there's a chance we see Singletary on the field and passing downs a little bit too, and that's going to limit Pierce to the early down role. And on a bad offense, you know, I don't really like the early down back at RB20 or RB21. It was RB20 when I wrote this article. Like, I think that there's not much upside to be had there. I think that that price is up towards the higher end of his range of outcomes. It's just too low, his floor, I think, for me to go after him at RB20. Uh, he's one of the shakier investments for me coming out of Houston. Yeah, I think his ceiling is higher than where he's being taken at. I think I, I would say his ceiling is probably a high-end RB2 because he's a good running back. Like He was yeah. one of the most efficient running backs last year. He was seventh in yards at the contact per attempt among all running backs with 200 carries. Seventh in yards after contact per attempt, first in missed tackles, forced per attempt. So he's elusive. He's a good running back, and he's going into his second year. Um, and there is a possibility that he creates real distance between him and Devin Singletary. When Singletary signed, I wasn't super, um, you know, I wasn't like, oh man, this really sucks for Damian Pierce. Um, yeah. But I, I still think Singletary is a good enough running back where he could take some work away. You know, a lot of teams don't want to run, you know, a, one running back into the ground, right? Um, I don't think they'll do that in this case. And I do think Pierce, you know, will get his touches, but I agree. Singletary is going to be involved. I don't see Damian Pierce being on the field and passing downs, although he's a very, very good blocker, right? So yeah. because of the fact that he's a very good pass blocker, you know, 
we he could surprise there and be on the field, uh, you know, in a role that we didn't think he was going to be in. Um, so, you know, I think his ceiling is a little higher because of the fact that he's a good early down running back. But like you said, you know, the offense itself, you know, could cap him a little bit. Yeah. Now, early down running on back to- on a bad offense just for me doesn't scream fancy production, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly, exactly. But I think, you know, low end RB2, I think, you know, I think yeah. he'll hit that pretty, pretty easily. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of ambiguity in the Texans wide receiver room. A lot of people are excited about John Mechie, and they're assuming that John Mechie becomes the eventual wide receiver one here. You know, I got the draft capital. I understand, you know, and they're they're expecting him to potentially be that guy this year. And listen, I love the fact that, you know, he was cleared, you know, he was being he was he was diagnosed with, you know, a form of leukemia. You know, he had the ACL tear, just hasn't been the best time for him, right? So I am rooting right. for him. Uh, he's dealing with a hamstring injury right now, by the way, so just keep that in mind. But if I'm picking a, a wide receiver to be the guy this year, it's Nico Collins, not John Mechie, not Robert Woods, not Tank Dell, not Xavier Hutchinson. Mechie wasn't the best prospect coming out, right? Aside right. from the ACL injury, you know, I'm not really talking about that, but he's probably going to be a slot wide receiver at best. You know, he's had some big plays in college. He was a late breakout, so that's not great. Uh, but Nico Collins, he's shown flashes in the NFL. He's shown some target earning ability last year as well. He had nine full games played, uh, and in four of those games, he had nine or more targets. Um, and I think now he can emerge, at, you know, given the Texans' depth chart, and now he has an accurate quarterback in C.J. Stroud. The quarterback situation last year was absolutely atrocious, right? And everything right. now coming out of OTAs and minicamp is suggesting that Collins is the guy too. So at his ADP, 12th round and underdog wide receiver 63 off the board you potentially got yourself a top 36 wide receiver right or at least a flex play at a solid yeah. discount you know he's someone that i'd be targeting at his price you potentially have a team's wide receiver one you know who could take a big jump in target share this year at a pretty low price yeah and robert woods is there sure cool whatever you know He's getting older. He's I, I think he's past his prime at this point. And somebody's gonna have to come out and be that guy for CJ Stroud. I, I think Nico Collins could be him, you know, because he's going into his third year. He's a veteran, you know, he knows what he's doing in, in the in the receiver room. There's guys that they obviously added Tank Dell, Xavier Hutchinson behind him. But Nico Collins, I agree with the way that he was playing last season with the quarterback play as bad as it was, you know, it can only go up, assuming CJ Stroud is a clear upgrade over Davis Mills. And I think that's going to be the case. So I do like Nico Collins. Do I like him as like, am I like screaming, pounding the table? We need to be drafting this guy. No, but you know, like he's a good target. If you want to get a real value receiver and just hope that maybe something comes of it. Like you said, top 36, absolutely in his range of outcomes, especially if CJ Stroud is good. They've said CJ Stroud in camp is ahead of schedule with his development, which is awesome. If he plays well, you know, I think wide receiver 36 might be the floor because he's going to have to throw the ball to somebody. I don't think this Texans offense is going to be anywhere near as bad as it was last season, but it's still not going to be that good. That's kind of the balance we're striking right here. But Nico Collins, he had a solid flex. I think he was a solid flex play, you know, last season, even with the quarterback situation, what it was. If it can only go up from there, which I think is the case, you know, you're looking at a really good value here in Nico Collins. I agree. Absolutely. Am I going out of my way to target him? No, but you can take a swing at him in those late rounds and be happy with it. Like, He's not what are you making, one on any other team, but, you know. 
Yeah, no, I get that. What are you making of Dalton Schultz? I, I think a lot of what he did in Dallas, you know, was a product of Dak and and the offense. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you can't deny his target earning ability there. He was never overly efficient though, and that's yeah. my concern, right? If he ends up running a route on like seventy for seventy five percent of dropbacks, like then. I think we should be in on him as a tight end one, maybe a low end tight end one. Not sure he's a difference maker at the position. Yeah. So that's <laughs> kind of why I'm leaning to not grabbing him at his price. You know, whether I grab a late round tight end, whenever I grab a late round tight end, I need that upside of them potentially being top five. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just don't know if Dalton Schultz is that guy. Now, Brevin Jordan's there. You know, does he take away from him in terms of routes run going into his third year? Maybe not, um, but the fact that this is a depleted wide receiver core also that's a positive for Schultz, right? Like he, he's that's 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 a pro for the yeah. case being made for Dalton Schultz. It might be him and Nico, you know, as the clear one-two right now. And and you talk about the competition not being that tight. Dalton Schultz, I mean, Dak Prescott, you know, was kind of making Dalton Schultz's value. But I will say this: Dalton Schultz did earn targets with stiff competition, you know, around him since he's joined the league and since he was in the league since I think it was 2019. But anyway, he comes in and he puts up these numbers and he was earning targets. He has at least 85 targets in each of the past three seasons. And let's just put this into context here, who he was competing with for targets in 2021. In 2020, it was CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper. 2021, it was CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper again. And then CeeDee Lamb earned 148 targets last year. And he still put up, I think it was 100 targets, Dalton Schultz. So let's not get it twisted you know i think he's gonna be earning his targets like you said that's a much less competitive environment for me earning targets in you have nico collins and that's about it john mechie maybe you know like you said it's a good story hopefully he plays well but i think you look at it this way especially with a rookie quarterback and it goes back to what i was saying about adam thielen um with with bryce young you know they're going to need somebody to lean on in the early game while the rest of the receivers get up to nfl speed i think dalton schultz can be that guy he was he was a security blanket for Dak Prescott, I think he could do the same thing for C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud has also been compared to Dak Prescott, so I think that also is worth something. But tight end 13 off the board, I think that he's going to be just fine. I, I like that price for him. I think he could finish higher than that, especially if C.J. Stroud is good. You know, He's going to be earning the targets. He's not going to have tremendous, tremendous upside. I don't think he's going to have much of a top four or five upside on, on a weekly basis, but I think he's going to be right in that mid tight end one. Um, conversation every single week because who else is CJ Stroud going to throw to if they're going to be double covering even maybe Nico Collins? It's just that's the way I look at it. It's a volume play. I don't think it's that bad, but the tight end landscape the way it is can't really go wrong. And if CJ Stroud's good, I think Dalton Schultz can be a nice little outlet guy for him. And in PPR, he's going to have some really good value. I think he's definitely on the list of a lot of people in terms of if they're a late round tight end guy, they're going to take him pretty easily, I would say. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. 
Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Yeah, let's talk Colts. Uh, Anthony Richardson, the likely starter. He is sharing first-team reps right now in OTAs with Gardner Minshew. You know, my guess is that Richardson will be the week one starter. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he definitely has top six, top seven QB one upside, right? He's being drafted as a QB 10. Uh, I still think it's a little risky there. There's definitely a world where he falls out of the QB one conversation. If he struggles in the past game, yep. I do have him outside my top 12. He's being drafted as a QB 10, but I have, met, I have him outside the top 12. By the way, my rankings are on patreon.com slash upper hand fantasy dynasty. We draft all of it, but the good thing about his situation, man, like he has a great situation. He has awesome. a true number yeah. one in Michael Pittman. They just drafted a very good slot wide receiver in Josh Downs. They have an underrated field stretcher in Alec Pierce. Uh, you know, and and one thing Richardson is good at is creating big plays downfield. And he has Pittman and Pierce to help make that happen. He has Jonathan Taylor. He has Shane Steichen bringing over his offensive philosophy from Philly. You can't ask for a better supporting cast, right? So right. the rushing ability, the offensive environment, his goal line prowess, like all of that, like he's set up for success. Does it all come together right away in his rookie year? Remains to be seen. But if you're shooting for upside in the ninth round, I think he's a solid pick there. Like I actually don't have him in my top 12. Like I want to move him up, but there are a yep. couple of guys. I'm just like, you know, like they have better, high, you know, I think they have a little bit of a safer floor than him. You know, we saw Justin Fields rookie year where he struggled in the past game. And even though he had the rushing ability, he didn't necessarily come through for fantasy. Right. I think this is a little bit of a different situation, though, from Justin Fields. You know what I'm saying? I think the situation is definitely way better than what Justin Fields had in his rookie year. Anthony Richardson is also just an alien. I think, you know, we knew Justin Fields could run, but Anthony Richardson is just, like we said, we've never seen really anything like him come out of the combine and enter the league. So this is uncharted territory. But I'm going to use one of your sayings, you know, when I talk about Anthony Richardson, it's no risk it, no biscuit. You know what I'm saying? We understand that there's risk associated with Anthony Richardson, but that upside is just like glowing. You know, how do you not reach for that? And I'm targeting him at the price that he's at right now. He's a boom bust QB one. That's exactly what he is. And that's what he's going to be the entire season until we see differently. But he's Cam Newton-esque in his frame. Speed reminiscent of Lamar Jackson. Like you can't go wrong. This guy is an athlete. I think he has the ability to produce. Shane Steichen, like you said, is his offensive, is his head coach now. And that's the same guy that helped make Jalen Hurts the high-end fantasy quarterback that he is today. So that's a good thing for him. He's going to be playing in that type of system. His 7.4 yards per attempt was tied for fourth highest in the NCAA last year among um, QBs. And 
as long as he fends off Gardner Minshew and Sam Allinger, which I don't think is going to be a problem for him, I think he has an absolute shot to finish well inside the top 10. Like you said, QB 6-7. Um, this is probably going to be a de- de- developmental year for him. I don't think the Colts are going to be pulling him at any point unless things are like really bad. But, you know, he's definitely going to be starting QB 1 uh, in week 1. He's going to be the QB 1 in week 1, 100%. That's not even a question for me. I think he's going to play. I think he's going to be able to run. That's going to be where most of his fancy production is going to come from. I think he can do better in the passing game than a lot of people think. You know, everyone's saying like he's raw coming out of the combine, that kind of thing. But with a good coach like Shane Steichen, I'm cool with it. I'm going to let that go and just give him the benefit of the doubt here. I'm taking shots on him if I can, especially if he slides past his ADP. If he goes like QB 12, 13, I think there's plenty of value to be had there. Yeah, I I, I actually agree with you. I think you make some, make some great points and you know, you, you there's nothing wrong with, especially in a one quarterback league. There's nothing wrong with grabbing Richardson. And just grabbing another solid quarterback later, like Absolutely. grab Richardson, then grab the QB fifteen, sixteen off the board. You'll be fine mm-hmm. because if Richardson busts, you still have someone that you can start every single week. You know, a few rounds later. So I think that would be the yeah. strategy for me. Like I probably won't draft Richardson and then wait until my QB twenty, twenty one, twenty two off the board. Right? I'll probably end up taking Richardson. Then maybe, maybe three, four rounds later, grab another quarterback. That's kind of yeah. how I would do it if I'm if I am grabbing Richardson. What would you think of a roster built? Like, say you take one of the premium quarterbacks early and like a two QB. Say you go for like a Jalen Hurts or a Lamar Jackson or even Patrick Mahomes, something like that. And then you turn around a couple of rounds later and you take a guy like Anthony Richardson. Like, would you like that's pretty high upside right there. I mean, it's chasing it, it, it a bit. It, 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 it is, risk, but the problem but, is, but the, the thing there is that if I'm in a one quarterback league, like I don't want to spend a, a, my round nine pick on someone who, who I can't start. Well, yeah, definitely. Sure, you could, but you, I, you I was talking to trade him. Yeah. Oh, two quarterback? Yeah, two QB. Like, what do you think of that? Well, you start, take a premium quarterback, I, and then you shoot the moon with Anthony Richardson. Like, that's pretty mm, tasty if you ask me. You know, I kind of like that. Like, that's, that's a, I think that's a pretty risky way to play it's but risky. at the end of the yeah. day it's it's the upside is huge right yeah um, i mean anthony richardson has more upside than guys going his range like kirk cousins for sure you know smith yeah Dude, like the, the upside yeah. is he has up, he has more upside than some of the quarterbacks being taken uh before him right like he has like, more upside than trevor lawrence he has more upside mm-hmm. than Deshaun watson you know what i'm saying he's being taken right right before tua Dak, kirk of course so what i would do is if i'm taking richardson as my qb1 in one quarterback leagues um, I would draft Geno Smith, or I would draft Jared Goff or Russell Wilson. Um, Jared you know, Goff is a rounds, really good one. Several rounds later, um, so I can have my safe quarterback if Anthony Richardson doesn't work out. That's kind of right. how I would. I, I never like rostering um, two quarterbacks in a single quarterback league, but in this scenario, it's definitely worth it because of the upside that he presents for sure. Right. Um, I'm a little worried about Jonathan Taylor this year. He's being Same. drafted as the overall RB4 off the board in the first round. Uh, I have him quite lower in my rankings, and this has nothing to do with last year, nothing to do mm-hmm. with the injuries, nothing to do with the disappointing season. It has to do with his situation this year. Number one, goal line carries. Anthony Richardson is going to take away opportunities there. C64, 244, it's going to happen. Number yep. two, we know that rushing quarterbacks don't check in down anywhere as often as pocket quarterbacks. They tend to tuck the ball and run before they decide to chuck it down. So that target share is likely not going to be there for him. And if I'm drafting him in the first round, I need my running back to get targets. Like, unless you're prime Derrick Henry, right? 
Yeah. Now, <laughs> now, if Jonathan Taylor was like an elite pass catcher, like, you know, he was a DeAndre Swift or a Camaro or an Eckler, I wouldn't be as worried because those guys have proven to be target earners and the game plan is revolved around them getting the ball in the receiving game. Taylor, he has yet to do that in his three-year career. Um, now, I think Anthony Richardson being there means that JT, they're going to focus on JT, I think, in the run game. This is going to be a run-heavy offense. So that's good for JT. Yep. Uh, the, running, the running lanes are going to open up because of JT, uh, because of Richardson for JT, right? Um, and they're going to depend on JT more because of a developmental rookie quarterback, right? But the targets and the touchdowns is really what matters most for fantasy. So at his price, I just can't do it. Yeah, that's my biggest gripe with Jonathan Taylor, too. And for all the reasons that you just mentioned, you know, RB4 overall, there are guys going after him. Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, yeah. Derrick Henry. Yeah. I still don't know what Josh Jacobs is doing all the way down there at RB9. Like, it makes yeah. no sense. It's cool. But I look at those guys, like, the value you're going to get is going to be comparable or even better, I think. They mm -hmm. present less risk, all of them, except maybe Derrick Henry. We're still waiting for him to fall off the cliff. We don't know when that cliff is coming, but it's coming. Um, so he might be a little bit more risky. But a guy like Tony Pollard, like a couple picks later, even like a whole round later, like I'm totally going for him over Jonathan Taylor. That's my main gripe. Yeah. And I agree with you, Anthony Richardson. It's a give and take because like you said, if there's a read option and you have to pick between Jonathan Taylor and Anthony Richardson, that's going to be great for them. You know, they're going to have that production. They're going to keep defenses guessing. But at the same time, if Anthony Richardson – doesn't get his feet underneath underneath him for a few weeks, this could be a slow-moving offense. And, you know, just because they hand the ball to Jonathan Taylor 20 times a game doesn't mean he's going to be doing a whole lot with it if this offense is stuck in a funk, you know, which it very well could be. So unless um, Jonathan Taylor can really just, like, put the offense on his back, I don't think he's going to have an RB4-type season, especially with the guys that are in the league. Like I said, it's not so much a problem with Jonathan Taylor. Last season was obviously an outlier. He was injured. I think he came back a little too early. But it's just his price right now is not reflecting the risk that he presents, especially with the guys going around him. Now, I think Michael Pittman can come through on his ADP uh, as a wide receiver 30 off the board. That's kind of low. I do yeah. have him ranked around, around there, but I'm not overly targeting him. Like He is the clear guy there, right? He should get the target share. The question is how run-heavy are the calls going to be overall? Uh, whether that affects like the raw target number that Pittman gets this year. That's my real concern with him. Um, I'm not sure his ceiling is as high. One good thing will be Richardson likely taking a lot more downfield shots, right? Matt yep. Ryan didn't do that. And, uh, you know, Pittman's reception total last year was high, but his yardage was super low. I think that increases a bit. I think his yards per reception, I think his A dot, all that increases this year uh, because of the type of quarterback that he has now. Are you looking at Pittman at all? Are you okay with his price? Are you targeting him? I'm okay with the price, and that's like the end of it right there. You know, I'm not I'm not jumping for joy at the price, but I'm not like screaming upset about the price either. I think this is perfectly fine where he should be. And like you said, I look at Matt Ryan, the way he played last season, it's like I think Anthony Richardson is baseline that. You know, I think I don't think he's going to be that bad. If at, if he's not as consistent, he's going to be more dynamic. You know what I mean? There's going to be more opportunities for big plays with Anthony Richardson. I'll take that every day with Michael Pittman. I think he'll have a better you know, season overall. It might not be a consistent one because it's a rookie quarterback, but this guy has a monster arm in Anthony Richardson. So like Michael Pittman, let's just put it this way. He might not have a fantastic finish overall on the season, but he's going to have weeks where he just pops off because Anthony Richardson is going to have those games where he just looks promising. You know, everything's starting to come together. 
I think we're looking at some high week-to-week upside, but also some high week-to-week variability. Um, it makes him boom bust. And it's funny calling him boom bust at wide receiver 30. You can't really go wrong there, especially if you're drafting him as like wide receiver two, three flex. Wide receiver three flex would be ideal. But as a wide receiver two, I don't know if I trust it with Anthony, Richard, Anthony Richardson at quarterback. So I would take him, Michael Pittman, as my wide receiver three and maybe a flex. Outside of that, I'm not really, you know, taking the bait on him. Yeah, I get that. I don't think I'm targeting the other wide receivers right now. Like, I like their talent. But if this is going to be a run-heavy offense, like, do we want to care about these other wide receivers besides the clear alpha wide receiver one? I don't think so. No. I just don't. Um, I also think that Jelani Woods is an interesting late-round tight end. Uh, he's going undrafted right now. Among all tight ends with 30-plus targets last year, he was 12th in yards per route run at the position. And now he's going into his second year. We're going to talk about Chig Okonkwo and his price in a little bit when we talk Titans. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's being taken as a tight end one already. So if you want like discount Chico Conco, I think Johnny Woods might be that guy because um, Conco is already being drafted as a tight end one. Um, Woods had an eight catch, 98 yard game uh, in a tight end rotation last year. Um, and it's possible that rotation ends up going away. And then Jelani is the guy now, uh, now that Frank Reich is gone, right? Like we, right. As, Frank Reich has been, you know, absolutely destroying this tight end room in terms of like this rotation. Hopefully that goes away. Now, Jelani yeah. is dealing with a hamstring injury right now, uh, but hopefully he'll be okay for training camp. Jelani Woods is also an absolute freak of a human being. I mean, he's six, seven. He's just this humongous guy. And when you saw him play in that eight catch, 98 yard game, you know, he didn't look like he should be playing behind guys like Kylan Granson or Mo Alley Cox. So I think that's a good call on Jelani Woods. Don't, Go drafting him now because we said this as your tight end one and think you're set. We're done. We're good. Target somebody else. But he's not. There's nothing wrong with taking him him as a bench stash because he could ascend this season. Um, I think that his ability to ascend will have a lot to do with the way that Anthony Richardson plays, and we won't know his true upside until two or three weeks in the season. Let's move on to the Jaguars. You got to be excited for this potential jump that the Jaguars might make offensively this year. Um, Doug Peterson's second year, adding Calvin really as a potential true wide receiver one for Trevor Lawrence, adding Tank Bigsby into this backfield. The offensive line, you know, still needs a little work, but, you know, good skill players with them already having Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, um, in that receiving room, Evan Ingram there as well. Trevor Lawrence has shown signs of taking that next step. You know, he's kind of that obvious candidate this year to take a step forward. He's being drafted as a QB eight right now. Um, honestly, if he finishes lower than that, I think it would be considered a disappointment, you know, given the weapons he has now, you know, he needs to, you know, take that step forward in his own development, second year of this system, former overall number one pick. Right. So I think, you know, he can be like this year's Joe Burrow, right. In terms of like that pocket passer, um, you know, who you start every week, a little sneaky rushing ability. Sure. But Mm -hmm. mainly a pocket passer. Um, and I think he does have the upside of finishing as like a top two or top three fantasy quarterback any given week, right? We didn't really see much of that last year. We saw glimpses, uh, but I think that can now happen, you know, especially given the fact that he he they added Calvin Ridley. Yeah, I, I like Trevor Lawrence. I, I think he could finish week t- uh, top two or three on a weekly basis, you know, but I, I think that his ceiling as a pocket passer, assuming that sneaky rushing ability doesn't come up, is going to be like QB five, six. 
Um, Lamar Jackson's ahead of him. Josh Allen. I think Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes. There's a bunch of guys with more upside. Justin Fields, if he plays like he did last season, you know, he's going to be in there just by virtue of his rushing ability. I think he's on that fringe elite, elite QB um, territory where he's going right now. But um, there's nothing wrong with taking him. I think that he's a nice, you know, safe bet at the position. He's going to have more production than he did last season, definitely, because I think that Calvin Ridley is going to be the guy in the passing game. I mean, do you remember what Calvin Ridley looked like when he was playing for the Falcons before he got injured in 2021? Like, he was fantastic. So I think if he can develop a rapport with Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk, nothing to sneeze at either. You know, Evan Ingram's still there. And they just added a nice one-two punch. You know, Tank Bigsby now and Travis Etienne. There's so many weapons here. You're right. Not only would it be a disappointment if he didn't finish as a QB8, but it would be a disappointment if this offense as a whole didn't look way better than it did last season. And it wasn't even that bad last season. So there's high expectations surrounding Trevor Lawrence. I don't have a problem yeah. with this price. He's, I'm not going out of, his, out of my way to target him, but he could easily you know, be one of those guys that jumps up this season and makes that Joe Burrow leap. Yeah, the question on everyone's mind is, like, who is Calvin really going to be, right? Yeah. Is he the wide receiver one he was before he went on his hiatus? You know, he's really been on a football for like two years now. And so so we're, like. really, mm-hmm. we're, we're really banking on him to be that guy. If you haven't read the letter to his fans that he wrote, I would highly recommend it. Great read. Uh, but he's going off the board as the wide receiver 16, not leaving any breathing room, right? Mm-hmm. I, like, I would bet on Ridley on being the clear one in this offense, but I think there is a world where the target share is closer between him and Christian Kirk than we think. The reason why I don't necessarily think that would be the case, like if I had to bet on it, is because the target share between Kirk and Zay Jones was way too close. And if Ridley mm-hmm. is anything like he was before, he should be able to separate himself from Kirk because you know he's going to be able to separate himself from Zay Jones, right? Yeah. So, you know, so Kirk couldn't separate himself from Zay Jones in terms of target share last year. Uh, but at wide receiver 16, man, I, I think that's a little hefty for me. Like he's going right behind DK Metcalf. He's going ahead of Amari Cooper, like ahead of Keenan, Keenan Allen. Like, I think I'd rather have all those guys, and there might be a couple more under him that I think I'd rather have because I know what I'm getting, right? Christian Kirk right. being taken off the board as a wide receiver 27 at the 4-5 or five turn on underdog, probably a little bit lower in home leagues, probably solid fifth round, maybe end of fifth round for Christian Kirk. I think that's more an appropriate price for a wide receiver in this offense if I'm really, you know, because Kirk, because looking at really's ADP, it's actually been risen a little bit over the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks, a couple of spots. Yeah. I, I, I hear what you're saying about the target distribution. I do think there is a world where it's like Christian Kirk and Calvin Ridley are splitting targets. I mean, we have to also factor in that Evan Ingram, you know, he came on, he became a favorite target a little bit of Trevor Lawrence is going on in late into the season last season. But for me, I think I know who Ridley is. If he comes back, it's not like he's been injured. He's just been out of football. I don't think he has He's just been sitting on his couch. You know, I think that he's been keeping up, keeping his um, health in check, not letting things go. He looks go. good. He yeah. looks good. Because, like, the right. word out of OTAs and all these videos that we're watching, like, he looks like Calvin Ridley. Yes, and that is fantastic news. And I'll tell you what, we got to be foaming at the mouth if Calvin Ridley comes back and he looks and he plays like he did when he was with the Falcons now that he's on the Jaguars. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, like you said, Looks to take the next step this season. He could absolutely do that. But Ridley put up his best fantasy season in 2020. That was 90 receptions, 1374 receiving yards, nine touchdowns with Matt Ryan well past his prime on a Falcons team that went four and 12. So 
this is going to be a better team than that. This is going to be a better quarterback than that. I look at that. Despite not seeing any NFL action since 2021, you know, I'm going to assume that he's going to come back, look like Calvin Ridley. He averaged over 10 targets a game in five games in 2021 before he got hurt and just over nine targets a game in 15 games in 2020. That was with Julio Jones on the roster, even though he was getting older. It's worth sh showing that he can command targets. I don't think he's just going to suddenly just fall off a cliff and disappear because Christian Kirk is on the offense, you know, and Zay Jones is hanging around. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think he could be the one. I don't think he has top eight or seven upside, but I think he has top 10 upside to the point where it's like, there's too many, I think, targets, too many different targets for Trevor Lawrence in this offense for him to dial in on really one. But he's going to be such a dynamic one that even if he gets seven, eight targets a game, he can easily go for 115, 120 and a touchdown or two a game if the cards fall correctly. So I think that the upside is there for Calvin Ridley at wide receiver 16 for him. They're just I'm not going to say smash, but just exceed it. You know, I, I don't. I get that there's not a whole lot of breathing room, but I'm going to go ahead and assume that if Calvin Ridley comes back and looks like him, I mean, we're going to be sitting there smiling if he took him at that price. So I'm in on Calvin Ridley. The offense is going to be better even than it was last season. I, I, I just, I think it feels justified the price because we see, you know, like you said, OTAs, he looks like Calvin Ridley, smells like Calvin Ridley. I'm not going to say that, but you know, all signs are pointing the correct way, Ridley. I think this could be Calvin Ridley on the Jaguars, just like we saw him before the suspension. All right. All right. I love it. I love it. I, I, you know, I, I think he definitely has the upside. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, I want to see Calvin Ridley, you know, make that comeback. So hopefully, hopefully we see it. Um, he, I just wish I feel the most confident about this one. Then like Michael Thomas making a comeback, you know, I wasn't very confident in that. There are other players right. that came back. I wasn't sure. very confident. about. I feel confident about this one. I, 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 Calvin Ridley, there was no injury or anything. I think he has something to prove. He's got a chip on his shoulder. And the Jaguars traded for him. They want to use him. I'm in on him. We talked about this Jaguars backfield a lot, so I'm going to keep it pretty simple, yep. as I think as we should. Travis Etienne had the every down workload last year without James Robinson. He didn't take advantage of it. He should have done more. He didn't command targets. And now they just added Tank Bigsby in the third round, who's a very good running back. This is not going yep. to be a timeshare. It's going to be a timeshare now. So ETN is being overdrafted. It's coming off the board as the RB13. Way too high. Way too high. <laughs> he didn't finish anywhere close to that last year, and the entire backfield was his. And that's even if I only count the weeks without James Robinson. It's really that mm -hmm. simple. I have nothing he's else to say. He's benefiting from Trevor Lawrence syndrome, which is, you know, Trevor Lawrence is going to take a step forward, so the whole offense is going to, and Travis ETN is going to just passively benefit from that. No, not the case. I, I think ETN is a good running back. But yeah. at the end of the day, he didn't earn targets, unfortunately, and he he broke away. A he, like he, his breakaway ability is awesome. I think this backfield is going to produce like crazy between him yep. and Bigsby. But from a fantasy perspective, from an individual fantasy, like if I can, if I can wrap up the Jaguars' backfield like into one both, player, yeah. I would love it. But this is not going to be the case this year. Right. Uh, I'm not as in on Evan Ingram this year because of the addition of Calvin Ridley. Right, there are a lot of mm -hmm. mouths to feed, like you said, in this offense. I think Ingram and Zay Jones get hurt the most with that addition. Um, he's being drafted as a tight end eight. Mm, it's okay. You know, I'm not sure I love it, but I think he can finish there. He was yep. good late last year. I'm not sure he can be like consistent enough for me for me to be targeting him in the eighth round. Not someone I'm targeting personally. Yeah, neither am I. And uh, that's the whole thing that we have with this, 
you know, wide receiver room, tight end room, the receiving corpse right here. It's just that there's so many different targets that Trevor Lawrence is going to be able to throw to. I think that he's going to have those weeks, you know, inevitably one wide yep. receiver is going to tight end is going to finish higher than the rest of them because it's just their day on this offense. So we saw what he can do. You know, he has really good weekly upside, but it's just a question of, is he going to hit that every single week? You know, there's going to have to be a lot of scoring for all of these guys to be relevant in the same week. And I feel like most weeks it's not going to be Evan Ingram. So he's really just, you know, your everyday low tight end one. I think that's why yeah. I view him. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's move on to the Titans. Another year of me not targeting Derrick Henry. Another year <laughs> of it biting me in the ass. Uh, right. At this point, you know, just going to continue this trend, right? Derrick Henry is 29 years old, past the age apex, way past the carry threshold, you know, before running backs tend to break down. But I guess for him, it never mattered. It probably still doesn't matter. He'll probably yeah. score another 15 touchdowns on like 350 carries. I'll look stupid once again. What's new? But um, I'll probably still be targeting other players at his first round price tag because of those reasons that Derrick Henry is probably immune to. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with taking a guy like Tony Pollard or Saquon Barkley over Derrick Henry. You know, like, I don't think anyone's slighting you for that, but I would say it would be an issue if you're saying that Derrick Henry is going to be like outside the top 12. I think that he's going to be yeah. in there again just because this offense is going to run through him. I mean, Mike Vrabel, Mike Vrabel's still there. And that's been their identity since he's been there. So I don't have any problems with Derrick Henry. I still have Derrick Henry as my RB6. You know? Yeah. So I mean, the receiving know, he, upside isn't there, but it doesn't matter. You know, they're just going to be those he, weeks where he runs for 200 yards. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now, I will draft Tajay Spears as a potential three-down handcuff. Like, I think he's a good all-around player. Yeah. I think he's good in the receiving game. You know, given the lack of receiving weapons on this team, you know, he could be pretty fantasy relevant. You know, if these general guidelines actually affect Derrick Henry at some point this if year, if they finally decide they don't want to just run him into the ground as they have, or you know, if he like... gets hurt, or if he gets hurt, right? That's the other thing. So like if he gets hurt, like I think Tajay Spears would be moved up to like the, this, like three down back, maybe sharing their early down load, load a little bit with Hassan Haskins, but I don't think Haskins is that good anyway. I think Spears is a yeah. better running back. Spears, I better. think. I think Traylon Burks needs to be targeted at his price. I think there is a lot that he can work on as a wide receiver, but at the end of the day, this is a volume game. He's the only wide receiver that matters here. He, he does enough right, right? He's earned enough targets per route run last year. He's shown enough rapport with Ryan Tannehill. You know, I think he's going to finish as the top 36 wide receiver at the very least, uh, assuming, he's, assuming that he stays healthy. I think he has like low-end wide receiver two upside. He's going off the board as a wide receiver 37 in the sixth round. I think that's solid value. The target share is going to be there. I think he's a pretty solid pick at that spot. 
Yeah, low on wide receiver two upside is what I haven't pinned for as well. I don't have a problem with Traylon Burks. I'm not going out of my way to target him. You know, I'd rather take other guys in his range. And so, I mean, he's going just a couple picks after a guy like Deontay Johnson. You know, assuming they're both on the board. If they're both on the board, I think Deontay Johnson's head and shoulders the pick. But if Traylon Burks is there way past his ADP right now, which is sitting, looks like late sixth round. That's what it's, that's what it's looking like. I don't have too much of a problem with that because like you said it's a volume game at this point with the titans offense there's only two guys in this uh receiving room really that are going to be doing any type of you know production and that's going to be Traylon burks and a guy that i like which is chigozio mcconquo i know you're not as much of a fan of him and you alluded to this earlier you want to tell us about that I actually think that there is a pretty good chance that Oconco is the number two behind Traylon Burks. Like, I think that's pretty obvious. But he was number one in yards per route run among all qualifying tight ends last year. There's no other receivers to care about here. And mm-hmm. Austin Hooper, like, he's gone. Like, he's going to annoy whoever has Michael Mayer now, right, yeah. in, in Vegas. Um, but they thought they were I free think... when Foster Moreau left. But, then, you know, <laughs> Michael Mayer, oh, that's Right, exactly. Uh, Austin uh, Hooper, it's going to be tough. I think Okwanko has shown enough signs that the market, you know, is in on him as the tight end 12 off the board in the 11th round. So he's already being drafted as a tight end one. And I'm okay with this price. I think there is a chance of him finishing as a top five tight end this year. So that's yeah. why I'm okay with taking him there because of the potential of him being a difference maker at the position. Again, when I draft tight ends late, I need that top five upside, potential upside. And I think Okwanko has that. I think he's a Absolutely. good player. He's an athletic freak, and there is no one else to target uh, in this Titans passing game besides him and Traylon Burks. Yeah, so did you read my notes right before this podcast? Because that's like exactly what I wrote down. And I'm, I, actually I've called stole him. Your, I actually stole your notes, and I just read it word for word. Yes, I think that's what it was. No, I've actually classified him. I wrote him down. I'm targeting him. I think this is a perfect word for him. He's a moonshot tight end one. I think that's what Ooh. I have for him because Moonshots. he has that chance. Like there's nobody else in this receiving game. And I get it. Ryan Tannehill, you know, he's not going to be a fantastic quarterback. They're obviously not going to be throwing it very much. Probably 23, 25 times a game at most, I think, with the way that this offense is built. But those targets, let's say you split it between two guys. Like we just said, Traylon Burks and Chigozi McConquo. You get a couple going to the pass catchers out of the backfield, maybe one or two to Nick Westbrook, Akina, like whoever. That's like seven targets probably roughly if they just throw to these two guys, assuming other guys get a little bit here or there. That's plenty for a tight end one, you know, in the current landscape of things at the tight end position. So Chigozi McConquo, too, like you just said, super efficient on the targets that he got, led all NFL tight ends, not just rookies or anything, all NFL tight ends, yards per reception at 14, yak per reception at 7.8, yards per route run 2.61. Like hilarious numbers that I really didn't even see coming. It doesn't look very good on the surface, especially if you look at his game log last season because he didn't really register a whole lot of targets. But like you said, playing behind Austin Hooper will do that to you. Um, He doesn't have to deal with that anymore. So like I said, I'm calling him a moonshot tight end one. I think that is pretty good classification for him. He has top five upside. Absolutely. I would honestly be surprised if he didn't finish at least top eight or nine at this point. Yeah. Love it. Love it. That's going to do it for this podcast, guys. Um, I, I did want to mention before you guys get out of here that Underdog still has the promotion where if you deposit whatever you do, whatever you deposit up to $100, you get that deposit matched. We have already gone over a ton of the season-long pickups that they have where you can go higher or lower 
on a bunch of these stat lines for quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, yardage, uh, passing touchdowns, rushing touchdowns, all that. Go check that out. If you come, if you like, you know, combine those up and put them up into one slip, you would be able to like multiply your money. It's a great way uh, to play uh, fantasy. If you know fantasy already, like this is right up your alley. You're going to be able to really put your money where your mouth is in terms of what you're predicting for this season for a lot of these players. So go check out Underdog Fantasy. Uh, use the code Upper Hand to get that promo. And if you can subscribe to the podcast, that would mean the world to us. Appreciate you guys. We'll be back next week. Uh, we'll be talking OTAs, mini camp news, and a lot more. See you later. Bye bye.